how do some people determine what success will look like in races? Wisdom would be, to me, being able to let go of them without fear of losing a sense of your identity. So how can we get to a place where we at least, at least have coherent and manageable goals that we're, we're genuinely passionate about? Once you understand what matters most, then you make the right decisions, the best decisions, and the most satisfying decisions. Hi, welcome to the Pylon Ultrapod. If this is your first time listening to us, then this is episode four of our third series of the podcast. We started the podcast way back in the first lockdown to try and help support our athletes and to connect with like-minded people looking to live a better life. If you've been listening already, then thank you. The last episode we published was a bonus episode to talk about the completion of the Cape Wrath Trail FKT. So we're keen to get back to the main themes we've been discussing in this series. In the past few weeks, we've talked more generally about self-awareness and collaboration. We then went a bit deeper into how our thoughts and actions are impacted by cognitive biases and how our conditioning affects our day-to-day lives and the goals we pursue. In the last episode, we focused on self-awareness and introspection. How can we really understand our own minds and can we be sure that what we think we want is a route to happiness or at the very least in our own self-interests? So we thought we could move this on today and talk more about how we might better use any of this newfound self-awareness to turn around our current goals and desires into delivering greater wisdom. Wisdom being real practical insight into knowing what's good, right or best for you in life and in your running. So here's the next episode of the Pylon Ultra Pod. Hi, Mr. Stewart. How is life in Croy? Ah, uh, mate, it is currently 23 degrees and sunny. Um, Louise is just back from being away with the kids for a couple of days down in Largs. I've been dog sitting for two days, For so for people that don't know, we got a pup earlier this year. Um, we allowed Kaelin to name him. So when you let a 10-year-old boy name him and he says the dog looks like a chicken nugget, of it's obvious the name will be Nugget. Um, so I've spent the last couple of days shouting nugget at the top of my voice um, over and over again in the house and out of the house but it's really really good everyone's fit and healthy kids have stopped for summer and they're getting some glorious weather right so life's worth living right now mate and how's the temperature in your little fancy office James is it taps off or is it not too bad well depends on the video call I'm on Um, so (laughs) it gets it gets really warm but I've got a fan um, but I've switched it off, obviously, for the purposes of recording this conversation. Yeah. Um, but it, it gets a wee, it gets a wee bit toasty in here. I, I have to say, it would be, it could be more than taps off. But nobody needs to think about that image. No, let's not. Let's move on quickly. Um, so I hear the World Twenty Four Hour Champs has been cancelled. They were due to happen in Romania this year, I think, and clearly, that was something we were working towards in terms of your training. Uh, and it's pretty disappointing overall. So. How have you dealt with that news and how do you feel about it? It is really, really, really disappointing. I have to say, um, I mean, I wasn't wholly surprised. What took us by surprise was how quick it happened after selection because GB Athletics or UK Athletics are, are they're, they're, a bit, they're kind of procrastinators, you know, they won't jump quick into things. So I felt more optimistic it was going ahead once they'd actually named a team because 
we, we kept getting held off about the team being named and it was getting put back a week and put back a week. So it almost felt like they'd been tipped to wink that it was going to be good to go ahead. Um, and I, I'd geared my whole year around it. I did the five coastal path FKT as a way both to prove fitness but also to do a, a good long effort. Um, and I felt like I was getting into good shape, getting excited about it, you know, digging out the short shorts and the vests and all that to get ready for training. And I think within three weeks, maybe, of the team being named, the event was gone. And, and you know, I, I've dealt with it okay, right? I'm really lucky. I've I've managed to, I mean, I've had two championships cancelled on me now, um, but I've, I've been lucky enough to run a few times for Britain now. Um, and I've run a couple of times for Scotland, so I've at least experienced that. There was, I think, maybe three, maybe four people in the squad who'd never had that opportunity before, and they might never get it again. And I, re- I really feel for those guys because the, that that opportunity might be their, their one and only. So I'm fingers crossed that they'll they'll all get that chance again. And I guess probably I mentioned a couple of, a couple of people who weren't in the, the the squad who went out and ran a 24 a couple of weeks ago and. And Damien Carr and Alex Werity, whose um, wife Wendy has run with GB a few times, they went out and ran like 159 or 163 miles recently. So yeah. they've put themselves straight to the top of the rankings for what we believe will be a European Championships in the autumn next year. So I'm kind of like, oh my god, I'm going to, I'm probably going to have to run a qualifier again to get back in the team. So that that's playing on my mind as well. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, James. If you had any initial plans of um, getting out there and setting a good distance. You know, I was I was flipping and flopping between this in the sense that there's a couple of twenty fours in September and mm-hmm. October, um, but for various life reasons, like I'm on holiday the following week, we'd already booked a holiday on the back of the, the championships, um, family holiday which is with Louise and all of her um, our sisters and mum and dad and stuff, and it's not fair then to have like a big training block overhanging that. So I kind of wanted to do something before that, um, and I, and I haven't run. A race for myself it feels like forever um, so I'm doing the Maury 100 um, and the same weekend as the Champs was meant to be on so that's the, it joins up the Dava way the Maury Coastal Path and the Speyside way as a yeah. kind of, a, a, a big loop um, and I'm really really looking forward I'm actually excited to be doing a race for me as opposed to it being like as part of a team and that might seem weird but the last 100 mile that I ran was uh, I think 2018 um, uh, I know I did West Island Way in 2019 but you know what I mean so it, it feels like it's nice to be doing your own race for a change so I decided to do that but I'll, I'll be keeping a keen eye on how those performances go at those events um, the 24s because I, I get the feeling I might need to put a spring or an early 2022-24 into my plan and try and lay down a big distance Yeah it's interesting that you feel like you haven't done a race for yourself for a while and because um, I know you get a lot from being part of a team and you've talked about that already and um, being part of the GB team is something that makes it quite different and quite exciting and uh, it kind of draws you back to it sometimes so yeah it's funny I, I, I don't know if it's a stress thing is it maybe that, that you feel a wee bit more pressured sometimes with the GB stuff because because you you, you do no, have you definitely to perform do. If, if you want the team to do well then, then you have to put in your own good performance don't you you need to perform to stay in the team um, and then you need to perform when you're in the team or you don't need to, right? Because actually you, you genuinely don't. But we're all really ambitious and um, driven athletes so you want to perform. And you're right, there is an element of stress and it's hard to quantify because some people... Well, actually, you need stress. You need stress in your life, right? People talk about stress like it's a negative but stress is what brings attention and brings focus. And there's, he- there's positive stress, you know, the things that make you up your game, you know, the tension about 
competing with someone else. And I think you need that stress to be at your best, so long as it doesn't overwhelm you. So I've never, maybe in my first 24 hour for GB, I, um, I didn't realise how much overwhelm there was, but I don't get that so much now. And I really enjoy the process and I enjoy the camaraderie. But yeah, that stress is still there because you don't want to let some another people down. But that's also the thing that keeps you going another lap or stops you walking or, you know, helps you try and work really hard to stop being sick. And I've used that as a positive in 24s myself. But it can it can be a negative if you allow it to be. Yeah, it goes back to some of the stuff we've talked about at length in previous episodes around this idea of when you get to a certain level, then you're you're kind of grasping at stuff to hang on to stuff, you know, like it's a big achievement to get a selection in the first place. But our minds sometimes automatically go to what would it mean if I didn't get selected again? So there's automatically pressure on ourselves, you know, rather than sometimes being able to take a step back and, and enjoy the achievement in itself. Sometimes we're already thinking about what will happen when I don't have that achievement anymore. Oh, you're, you're 100% right. You're 100% right. But anyway, enough about me, mate. What, what's happening with you? How's things going? I'm okay. I'm still here. I'm still in Scotland. Uh, so I never got back to Sham yet with all the drama around lockdowns and double jabs and travel and amber and green countries and all that. Uh, my original plan was to get back pretty soon so that I could get ready. I was going to do the tour, uh, which is in Italy, obviously, um, but it's not far from where I live. It's just through the tunnel, uh, the starting point. So I could have got a whole load of training time in, in the mountains. But if I'm honest, it's just super complicated to do it and it's just taking the shine off it for me. I just, I just don't feel hugely motivated to go and do it and to go through all the hoops to get there um so it's all very complicated i still haven't had my second job and all that stuff um so uh, i don't think i'd be able to go there and give it my absolute best so i'm looking at other options at the moment there's still a fire in me i still want to do stuff and i still want to challenge myself so um i'm looking at that at the moment and I've got a good idea kind of crafted I just need to get confirmation that I can get the support that I need to do it um, which is an individual rather than a financial support or anything so so hopefully uh, I'll have some news on that in the next few weeks Well I think anyone who's followed things like the endeavours and um, the even the exposure and stuff um, closely will know that if you're cooking something up it won't be a it won't be a you know known trail FKT like the nonsense I do. There'll be there'll be something something quirky, um, for want to use a better word, in there. I look forward to hearing more about that, mate. Yeah, James, I think it, it it helps when you've got some good people around you. You know, we've we've spoken before about some ideas, and like I do the same as everybody. Sometimes I think is that big enough, or is it too big? Is it too ambitious? And um, or or I make what feel like excuses sometimes I can't do it from a work perspective how am I going to manage that and uh, it's always refreshing when I can get a chance to speak to you or speak to some other friends and they're saying well if you want it enough then you can make it happen there's always ways to make it happen so so yeah I'm excited if I can if I can pull this one off but uh, we'll see it's it's ambitious mm. yeah should be good nice nice okay shall we crack on yeah let's do that uh, so in the intro I did a very brief review of where we've been already in this conversation about improving our awareness and I think we've had some fairly interesting, fascinating from my side of things, reflections on some of our own past experiences with the benefit of hindsight. You raised a couple of things in the last one, I think it was, about an old race that I did and how I reacted to that, which I hadn't even considered since. Uh, so that was really useful for me. So I was, I was 
quite keen to talk more about how we can actually make use of the output of any introspective work to maybe better master our thinking and ultimately to acquire a greater level of wisdom. Um, I think in these times especially, in a kind of very crude external example, we've never had so much information available to us through the internet, but information in itself has little inherent value unless you can apply it with some meaning and some understanding and maybe even challenge it to actually gain some insight and to take better actions in the future. And maybe that insight in humans in human terms is wisdom. I'm, I'm trying to describe what I think wisdom is, I think, and we'll get to that in a minute. But I think if we can use wisdom to develop our own real and personal goals rather than these culturally formed versions of perceived success that we might be in a much better position to enjoy a more satisfying life and a better running career or hobby um, and I was keen to maybe have a chat around that James and how you think you would explain wisdom to someone and and where does wisdom sit in terms of its role in setting goals for yourself? Oof. Um, I mean that's a it's a big question, right? But yeah. we tend to we tend to always start with them um, on this, and then let's see if we can distill it down. And I was thinking about this when you when you kind of suggested this question, and there's a million ways to describe it. You can, anyone listening can go and Google what wisdom is, right, and get a, yeah. a myriad of views. But I think it's you've got to contrast it because if you if you look at wisdom on its own, it's just a thing. It's a trait. It's a it's a skill maybe. Um, and in fact, maybe it is a skill. Maybe we should call wisdom a skill, um, because wisdom, wisdom's basically for me is the ability to take what you know and apply it in context. So, for example, let's use driving, intelligence or capability. Is that let's say that's the kind of contrast to wisdom. Yeah. I I know I can drive a car at seventy miles an hour. Right, but wisdom tells me that I shouldn't do that in certain circumstances like built up areas or depending on the vehicle I'm in and all of that stuff. So the, the wisdom helps you take those bits of intelligence or that information and make best use of it. And and, and you can, there's a, I use this when I'm coaching people in work quite a lot, this this example is, is you can be really, really clever and you can know lots and lots and lots of stuff. Like you could be the brightest person in the world, right? Um, about any range of subjects but you might not be the smartest person in the world because you can't turn that intelligence or that cleverness into smart or wisdom and the thing that makes that happen for me is connecting it so your ability to take your intelligence your information your your smarts and all that stuff that you've got and connecting it to the subject matter at hand or the circumstance or the experience you're in is where I think smart and wisdom comes from and that's and I think sometimes we, we, we pursue intelligence and information and knowledge, but we forget that without being able to then make those connections, we're not any cleverer. We're, you know, we're, we're just, we're just, well, sorry, we're not any smarter. We're just cleverer. We've got more information and we know more, but actually we can't use it in any better way. So I think wisdom and making sure that we take what we know and being able to apply it in context and being able to connect it is like a superpower that, brilliant storytellers have, some of the most inspiring speakers have, um, and some of the, the greatest coaches you'll ever meet have, because they can take the context of the information and put it in front of you in a way that you can take, understand and use, and you can do that in and of yourself as well. 
I'm not sure if I answered your question, but that's how I how I yeah. see it. Yeah, I, I think this idea of of this connection that you talk about. I, I actually I went out on a run today, and I was thinking about it uh, out on my run. So then I was thinking, well, it's more than just information, right? So you could say that the more experiences you have, then then the wiser you're going to be. But that's not necessarily the case either, unless you make that connection. So we all know people, or we've all done it, who have negative experiences, be it negative relationships, and they seem to continue yep. to happen and happen and happen. They've had lots of experiences, but they're not actually applying that to anything else and any of the actions and the choices that they make in their life. Um, so they're not becoming any wiser. They're not They're not achieving any level of wisdom. So I think you're right in terms of that idea around you've got to connect it up. It's got to be in some kind of context, doesn't it? Um, yes, yes. And, and, you know, I was just reflecting on that. Because that then leads you towards the classic Einstein's quote, Einstein quote, isn't it? The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting different results. And I guess wisdom is the thing that stops you doing that same thing over and over again because you're experiencing the same thing. Because as you said, you can have lots of experiences, but if they're all the same experiences and your actions lead you back to that same experience and outcome, then you're not very wise, are you? You're actually maybe the polar opposite of it. And we don't want to use derogatory words like, you know, I don't know, like stupid or something like that, because that's not the case, because there'll be reasons for that. But what you're not becoming is wise, and you have to try and understand what, why that would be. And sometimes you need an external influence to help you gain wisdom. That's why people who have got maybe a different perspective and diversity of thought, diversity of experience, helps amplify the pursuit of wisdom for individuals. Yeah. And for me, I think, actually, and it's going back to some of the previous conversations again, but... It's, it's around our perception of success and how aware of that that we are. So we're obviously impacted by Western narratives about uh, what we deem as successful and what's not. And it's our culture that maybe determines what we celebrate and what we aspire to. And um, you can see quite simplistic versions in running sometimes. You know, it's, well, how, how do some people determine what success will look like in races? You know, top... 20 in a race at the age of 45 is great but at the age of 35 it's an unsuccessful performance Th those are things that are pushed on to us rather than things that we really understand ourselves and and we measure or we create the goals based on these perceptions of of what we deem as successful you know you can look at any other any other culture i suppose and um every culture has a different measure um, so it could be the number of heads of cattle that we own or the smoothness of our skin beyond a certain age or the number of wives that we have can be deemed as being successful or not and until we get to or understand what's really driving our goals then are, are we really any wiser when we have these experiences or, or, or we make these choices based on the things that have happened to us or the information that we gather yeah and I mean you, you you make the you make a really good point there because when you talk about the the materialism of the things that you talked about there it was there was vanity and materialism and the two things you talked about i.e. how I look yeah? yeah um or how I look to others depending on my performance which is completely nonsensical um or um what I own and you use the example of wives and cattle but for a lot of people, you know, that, that that's vanity itself. It's like, let me show you what I have accrued through my, you know, my world and material possessions. Material possessions become these anchors that 
keep us in places or keep us in what what we use sometimes is this velvet rut um and wisdom would be to me being able to let go of them without fear of losing a sense of your identity because often we we project our identity out based on not what we are inside but what we look like outside both in terms of what we have and and and, and how we look the clothes we wear the the hairstyle we have and and i think that that's a it's a really good cut across of what you're talking about there because is that really wise or is it just shallow well james we we, we see it in running all the time and and what you just said there about um is how we're perceived externally you you have an external image you know people look at you and say there's james he runs for the GB team, 24 hours, this guy can run for 24 hours, you know, one of the best in the country. I've got some kind of external image, I guess, that I'm committed to running or I know about running and I've won a few races or whatever. And it's it's hard to to step away from that and say, well, actually, you know, what's really important to me is I can I can maybe run for the next 20 years and enjoy having adventures rather than feeling like everything's measured around me and if I'm not performing at a race then then I don't care about it anymore or I'm not as good as I was before. Yeah, and, and whether consciously or subconsciously, if you take the example of you, um, as we, we can talk this through, is is your identity plays a part in your life in the sense that you've you've built a, a you know, you've built a business, you've built a you've built a community actually. Let's move away from the word business. I think you've built a community around partly your identity, partly your achievements. And actually, somewhere inside you, there'll be a fear about letting that go, right? There's, and it's inevitable at some point that that identity in itself wanes because, you know, you get older and performance becomes harder to achieve. You, you, you have to recalibrate what that is. But for me, wisdom would be accepting that and using that as opposed to trying to, you know, keep it going forever when inevitably that's not going to happen. So... Maybe there's maybe a word that we we have to bring into the the, the, the the bit of wisdom's acceptance because you're right we all have identities I I mean people will say to me my Twitter handle has got GB in Scotland Ultra Runner yeah, yeah. I'm I'm projecting yeah. that identity out there and yeah. and, and in, in a way because that's how I want people to know me or at least that's what I must have that's why I must have done that I haven't thought about it because I haven't been probably smart enough to make the connection between why I did that and why I put it there. So what, what, I think what, it, what are you supposed to put on your Twitter handle? You, that came across my mind yesterday when I was out running, funny enough, James. And I'm like, because ultimately, they're all labels, aren't they? So, yeah. But, but, but you have to give some kind of insight to people about what you care about, maybe. It's kind of it's kind of a difficult one. I, I, I struggle with it because I haven't changed mine for years and years. And I probably talk about being plant-based or something, which is not something I'd actually want anybody to know about me anymore but um yeah but it was important at the time it was part of your identity yeah. maybe you were con- maybe you were convincing yourself of that identity as well went through that and and even even before this people listen to this go ah, you know what i have nothing in my twitter handle because that's not me that's actually just the same thing it's part of your identity your identity being yeah. is i will re- i will rebel against the yeah. identity it's yeah. like okay it's a really deep subject, but when you're getting back to the point about wisdom, it still all comes back to, I guess, and when we start talking about what that means for the future, it's I think for me it does come back to that connection and being able to take information, environmental, cultural information, personal information, external information, internal information, and turning it into meaningful outcomes. Um, and I'm going to use outcomes as the word at that stage, 
but you, you're a, a, a actually able to take all of that and make the sum of all that information and that intelligence greater than its parts. Maybe yeah. that's the description. Yeah. Okay. Um, I probably took that in places I didn't mean to. Maybe. Well, we always do. We always <laughs> I know, do. I know, sorry. Um, so I wanted maybe then to talk about goal setting specifically, right? So we've all seen and read advice on setting goals. You must commit to them and you go all out to achieve them. And I'm not sure I fully agree with that kind of simplistic approach, but none of us can deny that you stand a better chance of, of being successful in achieving your goals if you firstly you know what they are and secondly you can work out some kind of plan or sub goals that will take you there but i guess my first issue is around these sub goals like i want to i don't know i want to improve my presentation skills or i want to improve my ability to run hills that can all become quite distorting or difficult to manage if you're not clear on why you're doing it in the first place and I, I, I see it a lot in athletes, you know, they, they, they kind of, they want lots of things. They want to be great at hills. They want to be great on the track. They want to be great at doing their mobility. They want to be super flexible and they want, they want everything in the one go, but like they're not really clear on, on why it is they want those things. Um, and some of them I think are just, they're more simple desires rather than anything particularly useful for them because they're maybe not clear. So how can we get to a place where we at least, at least have coherent and manageable goals that we're, we're genuinely passionate about? Um, I, I think there's probably there's probably three, three things that I, I would overlay on that. So when I'm thinking about goals and maybe setting goals with people I coach or people I support or, or even just myself, I think... And just using the example you gave there, the first thing I always think about is is the emotion behind yeah, it. Yeah. Um and that emotion can shift through time. So for example, I want to get fit and lose weight because I want to look better. That's an emotion, an emotional driver, right? You want to feel use the word feel better about yourself and you want to feel better about how you look, which is both intrinsic and extrinsic in how you how you feel. Mm-hmm. But there's an emotional pull towards doing that. And if you can find a goal that's got enough emotional pull, then you will stick with it. And you see that, see with some of the, the, the biggest high achievers in the world, they've, they they tend to have some something that keeps them driving them. And it might be making parents proud. It might be doing it for others, you know, especially you see it a lot in charity things that people who finish a marathon in seven hours and it's the first time they've ever attempted it and they, they cross the line broken and you know you're you're like a two and a half hour marathon, and you go oh, look at them; they took four and a half hours longer. But the emotions what got them through to achieve that goal, yeah. And I think there's a lot to be said about that. Second D- thing, D- they're maybe lacking a bit of reason though, potentially. I'll let you finish. Continue, sorry. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, th- th- there is that because that that then becomes an extrinsic one, and maybe then maybe that maybe reasons a more intrinsic one. Yeah. So we we'll maybe come back to that. Yeah. The second thing is is whatever you're going after has to be super simple um, and the, I can't remember I think it was Seth Golden says if you can't explain your purpose or the purpose of what you're doing in eight words or less you don't have a position on it and and that's a real big challenge when you think about some of the things we're trying to achieve you know and it's like I want to run the West Highland Way because and then you get into this big long tirade and, and about it and it's like well if you can't explain that in eight words or less it's not clear to you about maybe that's the word for you that it's not clear to you the reason for doing it because you should be able to just go, 
I want to run the West Highland Way in under a day, and then you've got eight words to describe why, and I'm using that as the example. But you have to keep it really simple, because if you end up with like a big goal and it's laden with sub-goals, those sub-goals become traps or trip points that stop you yeah. getting to that big goal. Um, and and then I think the, the last one to, to bring on onto this for me is, is like, and you could put other things on this, is, is there has to be a story, um, both a story about the why and a story a story you would tell afterwards. And even if that story is one of failure, it's something you should own and bring to life. And when you're, when you're, you know, this is a story you tell yourself. It's a story that gets you out of bed in the morning to do your training. It's a story that, um, it's a story that keeps you out the fridge from snacking when you should be looking, you know, you'd be trying to be in peak condition. Um, And that story might be a future story where you're orientating around a possibility or it might be a past story as a reminder about where you want to come from. But also you're creating a new story. So you have a past, future possibility and a present continuous new story you're always creating and they'll never absolutely be the same. They'll never be the same. But as long as you're continuing to write that story with a view on what your future likelihood might be, then I think it's a really good thing to motivate you. And that might be what cuts across your reason point, Paul. Does it matter if that story you've created is is complete fantasy, James? It's it's laden with untruth. So, for example, like we all know, we've all seen Pop Idol or whatever it is, The X Factor, and people will come on and they'll or. I don't know, Dragon's Den or something, people will come on and say, I've wanted this my entire life, which clearly they haven't. You know, they've they've wanted it since the two years before they've seen it on TV. Does, does that cause issues or it's okay to to fabricate some stories to, to make it more emotional for you or does that ultimately cause you problems later on when you're faced against hard work? I mean, my, my I, I don't know. I genuinely don't know. My intuition would be is... is um, and it's a bit of cop out, but it, it kind of depends, um, because it's it's like I mean, without quoting Orwell too much, is it? But that whole thing about he controls the past, controls the future, and who controls the present now controls the past. Mm. And and if if the story you want to tell yourself that helps motivate you towards the future you want to go to, because ultimately these you set setting goals are future focused, right? You don't set a goal in the past, so. And if you need to reimagine or realign the story of your past, but it's it's going to drive you towards the future you want, so long as you're not doing any harm, that's okay. But I mean, there's there's going to be extremes of that. Like for example, people who lie on CVs, you know, or deliver this, this, and this. The harm that comes from that story, yeah, um, is that when you get tested on that and you're asked to bring that experience to bear, the wisdom that you've claimed you have to go back to the word wisdom doesn't exist right because you don't have that experience of that past of that connection or that intelligence that you're able to make into something clever and wise because you lied um and you might that there is i guess there is a bit where there would be in maybe not even extreme cases but definitely on some out there cases um delusion can harm you and if the story you're telling yourself is one that's delusion as opposed to one that's trying to inspire you then i think it could cause you some serious downstream yeah. harm and maybe yeah. others too yeah maybe yeah. maybe I think we maybe missed out the role values play maybe and that's something we can probably get to in this when you're setting goals and um, I, I agree with you that we're emotional animals and, and you need that level of emotion if you're really going to be motivated to go on and try and achieve those goals and you can see that I think I've seen some neuroscience studies that show 
you know, patients that have had damage to the prefrontal cortex of the brain, they they don't have the ability to process emotions, so they actually struggle to make decisions about what they're going to eat and where they're going to go and eat because they just don't have that emotional element. So I think it's I think you're right. It's 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 essential um, if we're going to set goals, but maybe maybe there's a role for values as well, and maybe maybe our own value system would either filter that and stop you creating a story that's based on complete fantasy and and maybe for some people it doesn't and maybe that's okay because their value system is different i i don't think there's any maybe about it i think you're 100 percent right um and what's interesting though is if you take then our position as human beings right you know you i think you need a, a emotional intelligence to be wise right you need to be able to know that your your behavior can cause harm or your behavior can cause good you know you you know you need to know that what, what's quite interesting, you take the example of someone who's maybe had some damage to the prefrontal cortex and they're behaving in such a way that seems like, to, to you without knowing, this is a good example of intelligence and knowing, right? Some um, Intelligence and wisdom. Someone who's acting in a way that you would describe as irrational or stupid or whatever it might be, might be doing that for reasons out with their control. So for you, intelligence says what they're doing is not very good. Wisdom is going what they're doing is not very good but it's related to this trauma in their life so then you're able to actually react and deal with that situation in a different way you would probably be more empathetic more supportive so you would move from judging to supporting and that's the, I think that's a good example of where the difference between intelligence knowing something isn't right and wisdom knowing why that something isn't right can wholly change the way you behave around it yeah I just had visions there James of that image of a guy with a flare a firework in his ass and <laughs> square or whatever and i'm thinking yeah right how does that fit then in terms of my judgment of that individual and you're probably right like there's there's a wiser judgment than just a reactive one but i suspect i suspect taking that example right so for anyone who's not seen it there was a an england fan last weekend who was basically trousers down and um, bent over with a flare out his backside at full um at full lit nature so this guy's going to be hurting the damage he would have done I'm going to surmise, right, I'm, and I'm going to pause it rather than say definitely, because I don't know the situation, but the damage he may have done to his um, emotional intelligence or his, or his ability to think logically would probably have been related to being drunk. He's probably half-canned, mm-hmm. high on emotions, and therefore wasn't in control of his thoughts and actions the way he would be in a sober, non-chaotic um, state. Yeah, yeah. 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 And actually, it's the same thing, though, isn't it? Because you, then you argue that getting into that kind of state blunts your ability to be wise because you just... I mean, there's no intelligence in shoving a flare up your jacksie, but it, that that's a good example of how sometimes trauma or like some sort of mental damage that you described earlier isn't the only reason people act stupid. And there's no there's no way you would go, I'm going to show him empathy and not judge him because he got, he got himself drunk. You're, you're less likely to be empathetic towards that, but it's still the same outcome, right? You You blunt your ability to make wise decisions. Mm. Do you think then, in some ways, um, in order to really understand the question of, well, why am I doing this? Which I I assume you'll agree is necessary for creating coherent goals, comes down to really understanding a distinction between your desires and your own values. I think that's definitely part of it, Paul. I think one of the first things to... um I think one of the first steps on that is, is the, the phrase you use in the question, which is, why am I doing this? Yeah. Because at the point where you ask that question, you might, you, you know, that, that that's 
that's a that's a really challenging question for an individual. Like, why are we doing this podcast? You know, why are we? Yeah. Why do we run the distances? And why are we going to run fifty k at the weekend and stifling heat? And um, why why do we do this to ourselves? Um, and I think you're right. There's there's uh, it definitely has a um uh it definitely has a link to your desires and your and your um your values. And I think overlaid on top of that is probably your purpose. And I think your purpose comes from the goals you set, right? Because um, a desire would be what I want to achieve. Maybe, you know, that's not, not necessarily a goal. It's what you want to get. It's what you want. And that might be a feeling. It might be a, a, a... Your desire might be I want to be famous, right? So your goal is to be on X Factor or one of these things you talked about earlier on, right? Mm-hmm. But you might, you might be willing to cause yourself to become a moral vacuum to do that. Like, you see these people who end up on the apprentices, the apprentice, for example, who, yeah, you know, what what's the what's the the um, the woman who she get banned from Twitter? Katie oh, Hawkins. another one. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, I think there's there's a good example of she has become a caricature of herself because her desire was to become famous more than anything else. Yeah. So I would I would surmise again, not knowing, but I would surmise that she's probably compromised quite significantly on where her values and what her you know where her values stand right because some of the things she's done have arguably done harm to herself harm to others harm to her kids you know this is a woman who said live on tv why would you call your kid after a country or an island whose daughter was called india and and you know that's that's someone who is just out there to shock because profile matters to her and that's fine but you have to have some sort of ability to have a, a, a different set of values and maybe maybe actually for her her values are perfectly fine because she has very different ones to me that would say I don't care about the fact I look stupid and I'm going to look like a liar because that doesn't matter to me that's not where my values stand my value is how I'm perceived by others and being famous enough to you know cause issues I yeah I've seen it described as uh, desires are like the screaming voices that you can't ignore. So it's I want, I want, I want, I want to be famous, I want to be high profile, like that individual you're talking about. And then the values are like the whispers that you often don't notice. Um, but like the trouble for me, I think, is we don't really know what we really want sometimes. And I think these desires kind of explode in their lives on a daily basis sometimes you know I, I want that and I think if I have that in my life I'm going to be much happier um, like I, I came across this little story about um, it's quite an old story I think like a reporter goes up to some remote village whatever it is to talk to a shepherd and he asks him why is it you look after sheep so the shepherd replies I want to accumulate wealth so the reporter asks well why do you want to accumulate wealth he replies so that I can get married why do you want to get married? So that I can have a son. So why do you want to have a son? So that he can look after the sheep. You know, it's like we don't <laughs> we don't really know what it is we want sometimes. I think I think we all have a a probably shared idea that certain things in our life would make us happy and, and we all probably share that to a point. Um and in that case you were talking about there, she's obviously got values a very different value system than than most people we know or she's not been honest with herself and and that's where there's going to be conflict in her life because things don't our actions don't add up to our deep a deeper level value system in a way that is that's just that's to come back to something we've talked about before as well though isn't it because we have these values that we want to live and sometimes we show our values off because 
Um, and it might be how we act on social media or, or the things we say, the things we wear, you know, like rainbow laces. Not We want to show that we're supportive of that. Mm. But our biases mm. can sometimes, if we're truly honest with ourselves, our biases can sometimes um, result in different outcomes from what our values are trying to demonstrate. And and I don't think there's anyone on who's listening to this, and I, and, and, um, and I, I've definitely counted me in this and me counting you in that, who has not at times being in conflict with the values that they think they want to have because when it comes to it as as humans we're all innately shit selfish right we we, we tend to have we're, we, we tend to be goal goal and task driven humans who want to go after certain things and sometimes that we'll find we'll compromise on that like for example i i would be surprised if there's anyone on here who hasn't walked past a homeless person for example at some point in their life whether it was now five mm-hmm. ten fifteen years ago and not judge that person for their circumstances rather than judge them as a human being who's who's in need of help or support, who hasn't thought, oh, look at that, tramp, or something like that. And I'm, I'm being quite emotive with the language because we all do it, even though we all think we're good people and we're all good humans. There are, there are times when stresses and circumstances will lead us to compromise on our own values. And sometimes we need to remind ourselves of what those are and, and check, it, check in on ourselves on them. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, around... Well, uh, if if I asked you, I don't know. I'm not going to ask you, right? I'm just saying, if I asked you uh, what your, give me your top five values in your life, James. It's quite a difficult one to just come off the top of your head, unless you've specifically gone and sat down and and done some work around that, right? I, I couldn't I couldn't necessarily repeat those quickly either, and maybe that's some work I can do. But but generally, I feel like. My values don't change all that much. You know, there's certain things I will not do and certain ways I'll, I will always be accountable. Um, and then, so, so I kind of wonder about people like that. But then I, I think it's more likely that we just don't know what we really want. So our values can remain the same, but we just don't really have a clear idea. So see, when I think back to previous points in my life, right, I, I, I had a conversation recently and it feels to me like I've I've lived three or four lives already, right? I'm not I'm not super old, but we've all had periods in our life where what yep. we thought what we thought we wanted felt real and it felt um, motivating at the time, right? And I look back and I, I I've been that shepherd, you know what I mean? I, I think I'm working towards something because it's going to make me happy, and and it's just a circle, it's just a circle, and I think I think that's more likely sometimes than there being a value problem or or we just push this value system to the back of our minds and ignore it sometimes and that's maybe where we get ourselves in trouble yeah um yes i think you're right and also i think our values aren't set in stone right because they should change as we get as we gain more wisdom right as we we learn more our values should change and our values become products of our environments you know if you were if you're brought up and say um you know, mid mid twentieth century Belfast, for example, your values are going to really be linked to your upbringing, depending on what side of the the divide yeah. you were on. Yeah. Um, and you know, and, that, and that's generalising, but that's what's going to happen. But as you get older and you get smarter and you 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 learn more, then maybe just maybe the, those extremes that your values have then driven soften, and you become more wise about how you would apply that. And that's maybe something we all need to be ready and willing to both um, to both explore and to accept will change and if you, if I ask you your top five values today and we won't do it in the podcast because that's neither fair to you or I if I ask you to do the same thing off the top of your head a month from now you'd probably say five different things it might be mm. consistent themes but that and I think that in itself 
as a test would prove your hypothesis, which is we don't really know what we want. I, I think, well, desires are are useful, aren't they? We've talked about that because they're emotional and they motivate us to take action and do stuff. But I think they they don't necessarily guide us to this location of happiness. Um, and I wonder how we can really take these desires or the understanding of these desires in our lives um, and this understanding of the importance of wisdom to set our own goals and 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 how we best fit them around our own values really um like i i, I kind of see it in three ways maybe and maybe this is just based on this is not prepared this is just based on a conversation we've just had then so we have a, we have three things maybe from my side of things we have these values right and they i think they generally stay with us for a relatively long time and they they probably are built around when you're young and how you've interacted yep. with your caregivers and all that stuff um, and they should be important in terms of the decisions that we make um, although sometimes we're happy to ignore them I guess we've all ignored them in the past your example of walking past somebody who's homeless and stuff we're maybe ignoring some of those values um, but they do help to guide us to the right kind of spaces where we're going to commit some effort and work towards some goals the second thing then I think is around these desires or drives and, and we need an emotional response in some way Otherwise, we'll always remain static and we won't take action and we'll avoid making decisions. Similar to the example of patients with prefrontal cortex damage, uh, they don't have the capacity to make decisions. It's the thing that keeps us going at times. And then the third thing for me really is around reason. Um, and I think I think we briefly touched on that when you were talking about somebody who was maybe looking to lose weight and improve the way they feel about themselves. Um, and reasons maybe that checking point you know are your goals realistic are you being rational about this and and how can you actually get there and i think maybe if we can break it down like that it might make it a bit clearer for me certainly um and i think most of us probably know this already naturally you know we talk about our heart being in it or not when you make a decision about giving up on something you know like giving up on a race or my heart wasn't in it or I didn't feel good so so we're aware of these things I think and we also sometimes will say that people think with their head and other people think with their heart and I, th I think you need both effectively is what we're saying because maybe maybe the reason is ahead and maybe the desires is the heart sometimes and then it's obviously got to fit within your value system in a way as well so you need the emotional power of these drives and desires you need a check-in with the reason um to give you some kind of level of reality but then it has to fit the values otherwise it's never going to bring you joy and maybe when you're working towards fulfilling some of these drives and desires and it doesn't fit with your value system that's where people start to suffer or that's where people aren't capable of of achieving their goals maybe yeah, so good good example, Paul. Right, I think you, you, you're right. I think your your reason, um, head, desires, heart is a really good example. But values straddling across them. If you think about it, you could almost regard them as the kind of three pillars of of goal setting, if you like, or um, achievement or ambition. Maybe goal setting is the wrong phrase in this example. It's maybe ambition because then the ambition would drive the goal itself, right? So let's just say your your ambition is to be rich. Um, and to be independently wealthy because you want to give 
you, you know, and your your reason for that is to have a comfortable life, to have a life of study or a given, you know, whatever it might be, but you're trying to do that as a way to not be caught up in the 95 grind, right? Yeah. So your ambition is to be rich and your reason is, is you want to live a, a, a different kind of life without the constraints of a working environment, yeah. So th- there's where you're at, and 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 then so your desire is, is to have lots of money, um. But your values stop you robbing banks, because you can become rich and rob a bank. Mm-hmm. So you rob a bank, you're rich, and you've achieved your your desire, right? You've the reason in your desi- um your your desires combine. But your value set says that criminality is not a way to achieve that. I need to achieve that in a different way, um. So you then go, oh, I want to win the, win the lottery, right? So my goal is to win the lottery. That's not a realistic goal. The odds tell us that. It's not impossible, but odds tell us that's not a realistic goal. So to put all your eggs in the win the lottery basket would be would be delusional, for want to use a better phrase. You're not going to get rich and become independently wealthy and have all of that that way. So you have to use your values to guide you as to what's the most effective way to achieve the outcome I want to get to without hopefully compromising on those values um so i know that's quite an extreme example of using one in a you know a 150 million to one lottery versus um robbing banks but i think it brings to light your story quite well in the sense that you've got a reason you've got a desire um it comes to an ambition but your values will guide you in the best way to achieve that ambition hopefully uh, James, it's actually quite a good example, I think, uh, the lottery example, because it, it could explain why so many lottery winners end up being unhappy. Because if you look yep. at that against your value system, if your values are that you have to work hard for everything that, that's worthwhile and valuable in your life, and if you want to achieve anything, you need to work hard, because that, that's built into a lot of us, particularly people from kind of working class backgrounds and stuff, and then they're given all this money. It doesn't quite fit with their values then, and and maybe that's what causes them some some stress later on. And 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 we talked a lot earlier about how values are part of your identity, right? You, you we talked about it. You know, you wear your values on your heart. You talk about who you are. And I, I think that then, because your values and your identity starts to become compromised, what you're left with can feel like inauthentic to you, and that's why the depression or the the sadness or the the lack of fulfillment ekes through because you've lost a sense of self. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I was thinking then, um, might a good place to start be by asking yourself a question like, did you really choose this life? Well, no. Um, that's not a good. It's not that it's not a good place to start. Is no, didn't didn't choose this life. Maybe I, maybe a return question, Paul, is. Would you choose this life? I don't know. I, th- I think it's an interesting question, actually. And I think probably most of us would probably answer with a no. And that's maybe because we've not had this kind of top-down vision or strategy of how I want my life to be and how every decision I make is directed towards goals that support my values. And I'm not sh- I'm not sure that's even realistic, right? For you to have this single vision that you you work towards, and maybe that vision changes as as you get older, maybe, and and you achieve certain things. But um, I think it's quite easy to think I've just been dealing with the hand I've been dealt, right? And most of us, certainly uh, those with some level of privilege, and I'm probably classing most people who are listening to this are in some level of of privilege. 
we've always had a choice, right? But we're happy to maybe sit in this that, well, I didn't really choose this life. It's just, I've just dealt with the circumstances that were dealt to me. And I think I've been, I've, I've actually been quite aware of it recently. And it's been because I've been stuck back in this old house due to lockdown, right? And I've been in this, I've had this house for, I don't know, 10, 12 years or something. Um, and I've got this small, like, home music studio, whatever, um, which I've finally started clearing out. Um, it's, it's been pretty much unused for about, I don't know, six, seven years, maybe. And it's all stuff that's really old. It's like old samplers and synths that used to be really decent and um, all that stuff can now be done much easier and quicker and better on a laptop. And um, I came across some old, like, demos and journals that I'd read and listened to and they'd just been sitting in this room um, and I had to kind of read through and listen to some stuff as well and I could I, I, I was just really aware that at that time I, I couldn't really see and feel what my real goals were and they were probably never really based on my own ideals so ideals that I thought I knew but I, I absolutely didn't know them I don't think and I'm probably no different than anybody else who's been shaped by the people around us and the thinking that's around us at the time um, and this whole idea of success is measured in very defined ways and it's it's more challenging the way we live our lives at the moment because we're fed what success is all the time if you choose to engage in social media and stuff like that whatever um, so like I, I was even then I was probably trying to live up to other people's ideals and, and maybe not my own you know we, we've all faced things about getting a good house get a good career and, and have a partner and have some kids and it, it wasn't actually any different from what being in that studio took me back to it was all about I want to get a few tracks done I'm going to get some demos out I'm going to press up some records I'm going to get some DJs playing it I'm going to get some respect from the people that I spent time with and the people that I cared about in the music industry. I want to buy more stuff, then I'm going to get bigger and better synths, a better studio and more samplers. I'm going to make more beats. I'm going to get some remixes done and people are going to want to be around me. And instead, now looking back on it, my goal could have been much more straightforward, James. And it, it, it could have been, like, this is top of my head, obviously, but it could have been around... Um, expressing and enjoying my own creative side and pushing myself to to try and learn new ways of expressing myself and sharing it with new people that that would have been something that fitted better with my values than all those other things that ultimately were desires and um i, th I think i probably at times maybe done the same thing with my running and i see it in some of the athletes that we coach as well you know like people saying if i could get i don't know if i could get sponsored like Dave is, then all my dreams would come true. I'd be respected by everyone. I would, it would give me a, a feeling of acceptance. I'd be on a path. I'd live that Instagram life that I know deep down isn't even close to reality, but I'm going to hold myself to that ideal regardless. And maybe things like, or well, anything short of that 100 mile win is going to be catastrophic failure. And yet, whilst I commit to making that happen, or other people maybe commit to making that happen, they don't always give 100% in training. As as you've maybe got this underlying belief that um, that other people have more talent than me, so I could look and say, well, maybe Killian's got this great 
genetics or whatever that makes them better than me and, and it gives us a reason to, to step out of being 100% committed to things and I wonder or I wonder why we struggle with feeling like our lives are just being swept along on a river that we just can't control sometimes and, and maybe some of that is because we're not really clear on what these goals are and and we get caught up and distracted by all these desires along the way and these sub goals that, that you talked about earlier as well I mean it's, it's really quite deep because when you go back to talking about that journey as a DJ and, and a musician you were talking about earlier on is, is what I was thinking as you were going through it is, is where does it end yeah yeah it doesn't where, 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 I know. yeah you know you, you, your satisfaction is never coming because before you've even got to the next before you've even achieved the thing that you're going after you're already thinking about the next thing. You're already you're already uh-huh. dissatisfied. You're already expression expressing a need to go beyond and go further, and and in pursuit of what. And and I, and I guess that's the I guess that's the thing you you have to think about on all of this is is, and I I think it comes back to what we we're talking about earlier on. Your values and your identity become this kind of crossover. And if you lose control of what the identity you want to create for yourself is because you create it in the image of things for others, I think that can compromise in your values and it can twist your reasons and, and harm your desires because you end up going for things that you, you end up thinking you want things you don't really want or need for reasons that you don't really want or need to and you end up creating an identity and a set of values for that which isn't, isn't actually in keeping with the life you want to create. Because you're not doing it for yourself, you're doing it for others. Yeah, because those examples, and they're quite simple examples, I guess, of of me and this past life or whatever. It's like, I I would I would say that I was choosing the things that I wanted to do there, and I was I was choosing my life. But then when I look back at it from, from you know the benefit of ten years, I look back and go, I wasn't. I was living up to something else and some somebody else's ideals and i would i would hate to think that i'm i'm not wise enough to see that now and and put myself in a different position and and not live my life that way but it's hard paul is that is that not you and i know you're applying it retrospectively so you you know you're getting there you're getting there and you're looking at the past but you're looking at with the wisdom you've accumulated and and using that wisdom to reinforce how you're approaching the past was not actually in keeping with what you value now and therefore that makes them it makes the importance of knowing what you value now knowing what motivates you knowing what your purpose is ever more important because without knowing your your motivations your purpose your values your reasons then actually you're setting goals that may be taking you in complete opposite direction from where you truly want to be yeah yeah, maybe maybe that's a maybe that's a separate conversation then we have around purpose and and maybe some more practical stuff about goal setting and understanding purpose because uh, purpose hasn't fitted into this conversation until now really I don't think because it is different from goals setting goals isn't it a purpose? Well, I am. Um, I had a um, I was lucky enough to spend some time with Adrian Moorhouse last week. You know the um, uh, Olympic champion world number yeah. one yeah um, so he runs a company we work with sometimes um, and he was talking about his journey towards Olympic goals just that it was a general conversation about coaching and all that stuff right 
um, and um, he, he said two things to me that were, were really brilliant. One on um, coaching, um, which is there's a big difference between it be, between between being a teacher and a coach. And actually, you would argue that a coach brings wisdom. A teacher teaches information, right? That and back mm-hmm. to what we were talking about here. But what he did say was all high achievers have three traits that they go after. Their purpose is really, really clear. Their motivation and their why is really clear. And it's generally linked back to their, their drivers, which you could argue is back to what we've talked about a lot on this. It's these two things you can absolutely guarantee that they have. And he's talking about high achievers here, right? And you can argue what's a high achiever, but he's talking about world-class athletes who are performing on that stage because he was talking about the Olympics, right? Mm-hmm. He says, two things you see these guys doing all the time is, is winning is everything. They are absolutely obsessed with winning. And it could be being first down at the dinner table at dinner time, and it can be winning the race, but it, it, everything's a competition to them. And you'll get people who buck that trend, like Usain Bolt doesn't strike you as that person, but actually in, inside he is. He says, and the second thing is this mastery is at the heart of everything they do. They're about mastering what it is they want to do to achieve the purpose they want to get to. So, the you know, in the case of an Olympic swimmer, they basically sacrifice they sacrifice their youth and their early 20s, maybe even for some of them the late 20s to achieve what they want to because they know that there's an ephemerity to that, you know, it's going to be short-lived and they, they know they can move on from that. And back to your story about the DJ thing, there was probably never a... There's probably not a natural end point to that and then a launch pad and a jump point to something else. But these these people have this purpose that says, I want to be an Olympic champion by this time. And and so I, I do think purpose is important in all of this because it, it gives you kind of an outcome, it motivates you for performance in, a, in an athletic endeavour and maybe even a professional endeavour. But the purpose has to be driven by more than just I think I want to achieve. It has to be why emotionally with rational um thought behind it as well and i think it i think it does play a part yeah it's an interesting example james i just was thinking there then about um we talked maybe about having this kind of top-down vision of what i want my life to be and which is fine right and maybe that's just not realistic for example because these 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 swimmers these young swimmers are not thinking about how I want my life to be when I'm forty and fifty and sixty no. at all. They're they're thinking about I want to hit that that game cycle. I want to be as fit as I can and the best swimmer I can be by that game cycle, and then I've got a chance of winning. So so they're they're not thinking longer term. Is that? It's just not feasible at, at those ages, maybe, and maybe that's why I'm thinking more about it now because I'm that little bit older. Maybe maybe, maybe wisdom uh, comes with age after all. And I think. But it, 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 well, it does, right? I think it doesn't come with age. I think it grows with age. Mm. So long as you're willing to accept it and let it in and take the experiences that you've described earlier and use them in a, in, in a productive way. But when you're younger, wisdom can be brought to you through support from others, right? And actually, it's, it's about being willing to accept that wisdom. And I'm saying when you're younger, actually, it doesn't matter what age you are. If someone can, can contribute to your experience by having gone through the hard stuff before you, then why wouldn't you take their wisdom on board to help your ability to turn intelligence with connection into smarts and wisdom? Um, so wisdom's always something that you can draw in from others, but it's also something that grows within you just through time, I would argue, yeah, which I therefore 
you go, mate. I guess, no, no, I guess, I, I guess, a good example maybe of the difference then is, like, from an early age, your parents or your caregivers or whatever would teach you maybe that lying is wrong, right? It's a concept that's introduced to you when you're relatively young. You shouldn't, you shouldn't lie about stuff, right? So at no. that at that point, it, it's it's kind of just added to the, a list of stuff to know. I shouldn't lie, right? But then wisdom isn't about following a set of rules, really, is it? It's about understanding that. Maybe the act of lying rarely ends up bringing good into your life. It makes your life much more complicated. It brings unforeseen levels of stress. It damages your integrity and it maybe damages relationships. And ultimately, even when a single lie is perceived as being successful, it probably leaves you conflicted at best and maybe at worst loathing yourself for some poor decisions that you made and and most likely in opposition of your values. And, and maybe that's the difference between information and, and actual wisdom then because it's, it's it's connected up to a particular experience or or somebody passing on that experience yeah but let, let me let me bring that bring it back to your initial point is is your caregivers and i think the vast majority of his caregivers parents guardians whatever would have taught you lying is not a good thing but would also have spent uh, most of december getting you hyper for santa coming yeah yeah values eh they are quite pliable yeah absolutely um yeah i guess maybe just to finish off then i i would probably say um in terms of from a running and racing side of things similar to that earlier conversation i had about music and studios and stuff like that um, it, it's it's quite easy to think that we're only going to be happy if we win a certain race or achieve a particular level of respect in the sport and but by having more wisdom, it would help me to see on a personal level that um, being able to run and find love and enjoyment and adventure for the next 25 years should be a stronger pull for me. It should be more important for me um, in terms of values and maybe in terms of some of the drives and desires potentially. Um, and it's when people get those mixed up sometimes that that people will maybe continue to run when they're injured because they've got this like screaming desire and drive to hit a particular performance and they're not maybe clear on what their longer term goals are like like i i feel like you know i, I want to be able to run in 20 years time and, and go out and have an adventure um and maybe why people continue to try and finish a race when they're clearly injured and they should stop um yeah I guess that was me just yeah. trying to pull it back to a running sense. Yeah, and, and, and I guess I'll, I'll openly say this just now and I'll think about it and I'll talk about it in our next podcast, right? Extrapolating out everything we've just talked about and there's a lot to unpack there, even just in things that I need to think about, about my sense of identity and who I am um, in this world. The Mori 100 comes up. Yep. question I was asking myself as you were talking that through there is, is would I rather win that race and take the external adulation and high-fiving and all yeah. that stuff that comes from it or have a race and a run that makes me satisfied within that may not mean that I am... So I have a miserable race that I win or a joyous race I lose. And actually paused when I thought about what the right answer is. That is I know what the answer is I want to say but I'm not sure if that's the answer I truly believe at this moment in time. Um, 
and, and I think that's a good example of am I being driven by what I want, what others want, or what I want others to think? I, James, I, there. I, I think that gives you the answer to the question that we talked about off air before we started. Yeah, it really does. It really probably. does. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 it's it's probably something you need to wrestle with, um, because what what matters most? Because once you understand what matters most, then you make the right decisions, the best decisions, and the most satisfying decisions. I need I need to mull that one over. Yeah, there's probably a lot in there for me to think about as well. And, and from my side of things, you were very coherent and uh, clear about your points, James. I was definitely less so. Um, I have lots of things going through my head at the same time, so I maybe didn't get everything out as uh, in quite a structured way. Potentially, I don't know. But I think that's that's one of the, the, the one of the things that we try and do when we're doing this, Paul. Is, is it's natural. We're not here to read a script out. Like you're listening to some people talking, and that's fine. But they might go, here's a pre-prepared script. This is this conversation. This is like, you wrote six questions. I think you asked two of them, right? <laughs> so yeah. um, that was meant to guide the conversation. So we've got a lot to unpack and a lot to think about. And I'd love to hear what people think on the back of that chat because I've got a few things I need to mull about about my identity, my values as a runner and how I want to use them to guide me in my future goals and ambitions. It'd be good if you could have a think about then the next episode. I think I think we definitely need to do something around purpose and goal setting and something that feels quite practical. How do people actually go about it? Because I think I think most of us get the concept and agree that you know we're we're going to be more productive if we're clear on our goals and we're invested in them and they align with our values. But but how do we actually get there? So maybe you can have a think about how we could maybe do something a wee bit different potentially and definitely we need a session on purpose as well i think definitely i think we should do something as you say practical that maybe others can follow and maybe stimulate their own thinking on so let's think about what we do there cool okay okay thanks to everyone for choosing to listen to us today if you'd like to support the podcast then all you have to do is subscribe leave us a comment share it on social media or just have a bit of a chat with others about the topics we covered today we know we all operate under pressures that we often put on ourselves to be better, to be more successful, to continue to improve in some ways. And having these conversations for us feels like a step towards a better community and a more supportive environment where we can all thrive, where we can perhaps all be a little bit wiser and maybe more content in the moment. So please get in touch if there's anything we can help you with from a coaching perspective or just give us a shout if you'd like to talk more about anything we've discussed on the podcast. You've been listening to the Pylon Ultra pod. I'm Paul Giblin. And I'm James Stewart. Sweet. Boom. Before you disappear, just a final thought from me. That conversation was partly me battling my own mind and trying to deal with the things in my life that are either causing conflict or making me question what's really important. Whilst none of that is simple, straightforward or joyous, I think it's important for us all to reflect on our own lives when the time is right and maybe asking that question, is this the life I've chosen, is a good place to start. It's easy for us to duck out of answering questions like that as we often feel that we don't have any control of situations. Things crop up or come out of nowhere and all we can do is react, but maybe that's not wholly truthful. We talked about measures of success and as competitive athletes we can become tied up in clear-cut outcomes. Things get very binary very quickly. And this whole period of introspection made me think more about the bigger picture in racing, in business and in my life. 
This idea about finite and infinite games, which is years old, hasn't been more relevant to me than now. Finite games being anything that we do with a single fixed ending win goal or outcome. I'm going to win that race, I'm going to beat the competition, I'm going to buy that dream house. But on the other side is the infinite game, where you play to survive, to thrive and to keep on playing. Rules change, players change and there's no clear ending point. No one wins, packs up and heads home. Resilience and flexibility are key. You're working with a just cause and maybe if more of us thought that way, we'd make better decisions and do so with more courage. We'd deepen our connections with others and live more satisfying and rewarding lives. Thanks for listening and I hope you'll join us again sometime soon. Cheers. Thank you.